What's going on, family? Welcome to another episode of the Fatherhood Village Podcast. I am Dale Holloway here with Kev Hick. We are your TFV hosts. Listen, this episode we have right here, we have a special guest, all right? Special guest alert. We're going to have a very fruitful conversation about the importance of reading to our children, all right? So before we head into that, I'm going to get with the man that never sleeps. Kev Hick, what's going on with you, brother? Man, I'm good, man. Blessing, highly favored, all of those things, man. Positive energy only, so we good over here, baby. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Same, same energy over here, man. You know, we got a little bit of sunlight over here in Alaska. So it's a great day. It's a great yeah. day. Clear skies, you know, got the kids out. They did their things. So, you know, the nights won't be as hectic, you know, got the energy rushed out of them. So right, we right. set. We set, man. But, uh, good, but yeah, man. so... Yeah, so we don't want to keep too much of anyone's time, and we're going to get right into it. We have a, a best-selling author here to join the show with us to, to have this conversation. We're going to talk about the books he released uh, and uh, his, his pathway to, to education. He's uh, a graduate of a, a master's degree in education administration. He lives in North Carolina with his beautiful wife and three children. So before uh you know we we had this great conversation we, we want to hear from you man we have reuben watson on the show how you doing brother all right dale so before we continue i want to give a shout out to our sponsors let's get checked listen fellas low testosterone can cause muscle loss erectile dysfunction reduce sex drive fatigue obesity and symptoms of depression so if you're having trouble making gains at the gym putting it down in the bedroom maintaining adequate energy levels, staying lean, having mood issues, you could in fact have low testosterone. I can say from experience that Let's Get Checked makes getting tested easy with next day delivery. You just receive your test, send it off, and get your results in two to five days. Get your testosterone levels checked today at trylgc.com forward slash TFV. Again, that's trylgc.com forward slash TFV. The coupon code TFV gets you 30% off in the checkout. As men and as leaders, we got to be fully functional out here. The array of home health test kits available from Let's Get Checked makes staying on top of your health easy. So check it out, guys. The link's in the description. Now let's get back into this conversation. I'm doing good, man. Uh, blessed to be in this space with fathers, man. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Appreciate yeah. your podcast, too, man. Appreciate your podcast. Absolutely, we absolutely, appreciate you, man. man. We appreciate people in the we appreciate people in the line of work that you in, man. I think it's very important that especially black men have representation, you know, in this educational space, in this reading space, and making sure that this becomes part of our culture and our narrative as well. So now we appreciate you, brother. Absolutely, appreciate yes, that. Sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, uh, some some questions to to lead us on. First of all, we wanted to ask you what kind of set you into this pathway of education was it something that sparked you as a kid was it something that you kind of stumbled on and yeah um you know wanted to do more as you got older kind of kind of walk us down that that story man yeah yeah so i mean i live in north carolina man i'm, I'm originally from michigan grand rapids michigan to be specific people don't know where it is same city where floyd mayweather is from so okay. um you know i grew up you know southeast side of grand rapids um, single fa family home, my mom's, and I had three brothers, one sister, and my dad was, you know, kind of in, in and out of prison. So my mother, you know, she was um, put in a situation where she, you know, 
put her family first and took on multiple jobs to provide for us. And, um, you know, as I grew up as a young man, uh, I was put in a situation where, you know, I had to make some choices. Whereas, you know, my mom, like I said, she worked a lot. So on the weekends when I wasn't in school, you know, she did, she couldn't really afford a babysitter. So she used to drop us off at the library and, you know, Mm. the library was like, you know, it was kind of like an oasis to me. Like every book was a different world. Uh, they had computers at the library. We didn't have computers at our home. Like I have friends that had computers. I was like, you had a computer in your house. You was rich to me. Cause I was like, I don't know what mm. that is. So, so, so my, my pathway to education really started, you know, you know, school, you know, obviously academically I was, you know, pretty good. Wasn't like the most gifted kid, but I, I could pass if I was interested, I could pass the class, but you know, my, my love for books and reading, and, and education began weekends at Grand Rapids Public Library, just reading books because my mom had to work and she picked me up. I have like a stack of books with me. And, you know, it just really started this journey for me where I, you know, uh, became became so interested in, in reading books. Um, and it really you know, helped me out academically because, you know, I was able to comprehend, fail and, and, and succeed a little bit more than some of my peers at the time when I was, you know, in Grand Rapids Public Schools, which is an urban school district. So, um, I mean, I, I want to, you know, there's a lot of things that happen between then and now, you know, me, me becoming an educator, but I feel like me becoming an author really started with, you know, just having access to different books. And mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be very direct, you know, black book, books written by black authors, um, Walter Dean Myers, you know, that was yeah. one of the first authors that really inspired me because, you wow. know, everybody knows yeah. him now. I feel like, you know, he passed away. God bless the dead for his movie like Monster. He released this on Netflix. I don't know if y'all seen it. Uh, it was pretty good. But he had a book that inspired me. Uh, it was called The Mouse Rap. And it was the first book I read that was about a black kid. But it was written in a rhyme, you know, because I'm like, I grew up in the hood. So like. Hip hop was everywhere, but I never mm-hmm. read a book about, you know, hip hop that was written in rhyming context. So once I read that, man, I was like, you know, that kind of led to me being more invested to understanding and following hip hop. And I got a little older and my mom, you know, she let me get some, you know, some of those rap hip hop tapes with with the uh, parental advisory sticker on it. So <laughs> you know, that, that kind of created my journey where, wow, you know, poetry, rhyming. You know, all of that just really, really sparked something in me. And it really gave me a, a motivation to, you know, continue to write myself, but also to be inspired by writers that, you know, rhyme in a rhyming pattern. And that's that kind of connects to my books as well. Great, great. That's that's an interesting, like I said, segue in, into our conversation. And um, yeah, and I kind of had some of some of the same um you know, thoughts when, when I discovered, you know, more books being in the library, um, you know, checking out books from libraries and just seeing up the plethora of books, the levels, yeah. Hey, if you know about the, the downtime library. Yeah, um, yeah. so yeah, it was just, it what was city, almost, city, though? you gotta let me know. Yeah. Oh, Dayton, man. Ohio. Dayton, Ohio. Dayton, Ohio. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. We both yep. from there. So, um, nice. Yeah. So it was, it was just, like I said, it was just so much to discover, so much to see, uh, my my mother, um, almost every weekend, probably um, less frequent than that, but we would go to the library and we'll check out books. 
She'll, you know, yeah. pretty much as many as I wanted to, but I, you know, I was trying to, you know, what about two weeks you get, Kev, two, three weeks before yeah, you got to recheck it out or whatever. Yeah, so I, I get about four or five, you know what I'm saying? And, um, but, but it was fun, like I said, to kind of, um, to go off of kind of what you said, you had that extra time at auto time. And, uh, yeah. like I said, opened your mind up to so many things and the pictures, the illustrations, the words, how they connected. And it, and it walks you through, like I said, a, a, a new world. You know, a new space. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, and it's it, free. It, <laughs> just get your card. You know, I think I think my love for reading developed a little bit different than both of y'all. So I was a latchkey kid. I had a I had a keychain around my neck from the time I was in first grade. Like I was coming home, it might be an empty house, it might not be. So you know, I think the library would have been a great place for my mom to take me, you know, you know, no disrespect, but she did. She, <laughs> I was doing my thing. She was doing hers. Yeah. But what happened was, um, I felt, I felt as a kid that the library was overwhelming. Mm. I'm, uh, I felt like the, I don't know if it's, what is it called? The Dewey Decimal, whatever the, yeah, Dewey whatever, decimal yeah, system. Yep. yeah, the Dewey yep. Decimal mm-hmm. System. So I felt like that mm-hmm. was overwhelming. They added math to something that, I, I mean, I was a very good reader, but you done threw some numbers at me and some, and some alphabetical order crap. Now I'm like, listen, <laughs> my, I'm good with this. Right. I don't need all this. I, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. so that's, th- that threw me off, even though I was a great reader, I didn't discover a love for reading until about fourth grade when I realized mm-hmm. that every once in a while, a teacher might assign me a book that I actually like. Most of the time, mm-hmm. that wasn't the case, right? I had a mature mind. And as a, as a kid, they send you, they, they put you in, in a position where you're reading all this crap that is either too fantastical yeah. or, or way too unrelatable for a person growing yeah. up, or a fourth grader in the projects who has real adult issues as the fourth mm-hmm. grader. I couldn't yep. relate to most of that stuff that they would make us read. But one, yes. uh, one book, this, this book called Hatchet, I can't even remember who, who oh, wrote it. Oh, I remember it. that book. That's a yeah, classic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kid, kid going to visit his father in like Alaska or something, and yep, yep. a, a, a pilot has a heart attack, and he got to survive. Yeah, for that movie, six Man, it's like a movie. My bad, yeah, I'm sorry. Nah, like a movie. That, but that was the first book I read where I was like, okay, I really like to read. I'm not just good at reading because I was always good at reading. Yeah. I was, that was my gift, but I didn't, I didn't have an interest in it. But when I read Hatchet, I, I related to him because sometimes I felt like I was surviving. You know, like and mm. when I related to his story yeah. because we had to figure out what we was eating sometimes. You know, it just yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, it was different. So because I related to it, I was like, okay, maybe I'm not going. I'm still going to cheat on these book reports. <laughs> I'm going to, <laughs> but <laughs> every once in a while, when they find me a book I like. Instead of going to, um, instead of, uh, I mean, I was a kid with a computer because my mom's uh, a boyfriend at the time developed computers. So I had two computers okay. in my house. And so that was, but he that was, was because he, in my life. Was like, oh. we was in a right. project, but we had a computer. So, you know, that That's was exactly right. So I knew how to get on the internet and look up a book. And so I would cheat on my wow. book by getting on the internet in the fourth and fifth grade and looking up the summary of the book enough to where I could speak on it and pretend that I read it. But you know, when I read Hatchet, when I read Hatchet, it actually told me that wait, you know, somebody's gonna write something I like. Let me just focus on those things. So I cheated on every book report from from there to graduation that I didn't like. I just went to uh, Spark Notes or wherever. But I was always reading. Oh, you I was the first hustler then. You was figuring <laughs> right, right. You hustling book, hustling knowledge. <laughs> I was looking at Wu Tang on the weekends. Yeah, you like yeah, what's no. this book report mm-hmm. looking about? Yeah, right, uh, I was. Right. I was. I've been sparking note in book reports since I was in elementary school. But 
I was always reading. I was always reading the things I loved and, and that never yeah. stopped and it never ceased. And in my adulthood, I discovered whole new genres of things that I love. So, you know, reading yeah. has been very important to me and it's increased uh, my level of communication, my wisdom, knowledge, mm-hmm. and understanding about how the, how the world works. And it's also Absolutely. been a really good outlet to me because, you know, sometimes I needed to be able to escape through someone else's imagination, whether it was fiction yeah. or a true story that just wasn't my story. So, um, right. yeah, I think, I think as, you know, as much as I didn't, I hated the library and I'm really not a library person to this day. I can appreciate yeah. it now, uh, now that they're not forcing to do a decimal system in my, and I'm not getting <laughs> quiz, quizzed or tested on it. But also because I found that I, you know, there's something there for everybody, including me, you know what I'm saying? So. For sure. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Yeah, that's, that's good stuff, man. Yeah, I didn't, I guess my mom was with me most of the time until I figured it out or I asked the librarian, hey, I'm looking for this yeah. book or like, you know, they, yeah. would, they would help me out. So, yeah, I would kind of, you know, not have to deal with that that headache <laughs> of trying to find things and giving up. And But I feel you don't care. I, uh, no, like- I was definitely on that team. Like, <laughs> I wasn't going through the Dewey desk. I'm like, yo, lady, you sitting at your desk. Let yeah. me talk to you. Not like, I got nothing. real familiar with the library. They was like, we know what right. you're coming for. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't helping us at all. It was like, you know the Dewey Decimal System, young man. You need to learn it. Like, you know what? I'm not even. This ain't even my spot for real. I was just here because I had to be. To this day, my wife's like, hey, you want to go to the library? I'm like, no. I go to Barnes and Noble. I go to with the kids. I go to Barnes and Noble. I won't go to the library. Yo, t- see, that's what I'm about to say. I ain't messing with no you, Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm Barnes and Noble all day, boy. Barnes and Noble all day. Not the library. And, and our homeless our homeless live at the library, too, so it wasn't always yeah. a pleasant experience. Uh, I don't know how many right, 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 right. your library, but our, our library was the Oh, no. The they was there. I remember, yeah. like, they was there, but it's like, I knew where where to go. It was a big library. So it's like, all right, all the homeless dudes going to be on like second, third floor. So I'm going to uh, be in the kids area and the teens area because they can't congregate <laughs> over there or the security guard going to kick them out. So I'm yeah. like, keep your distance because yeah, they right. do be chilling. Yeah, they, they right. be really chilling. Uh, right. Right. <laughs> I have an intense aversion to smell, and it just wasn't working. <laughs> I don't even want to read no more here. Yeah, between that doing decimal system and the, and the homeless, love and respect. I can't. Right. Right. They wasn't that yeah. Barnes Noble, though. You know. That's crazy. Um. So so, Rube, let's let's talk about yes, your your book. Yeah. Um. Uh. Give us give us the title and, and give us yeah. kind of the inspiration that so, was that so was sparked behind is- that. Yeah, my book is, um, you know, it's called Friendly Skies and Sunny Days. It's um, it's a book I wrote, you know, in honor of uh, um, my children, first and foremost. You know, it's based on my children. It's my second book I pl- published. I released it about a month ago. It's on Etsy. It's on Amazon. But um, I wrote it for the simple fact that um, there's a lot going on. And I know y'all dealing with it, too, you know, um, with covid um, being in this pandemic was the reason I wrote this book because, um, you know, when things start shutting down, you know, sports shut down. I was like, Whoa, I never seen, you know, the NBA get canceled. I, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, uh, going, the only place we, I could go, uh, over the past, like, like March, 2020, when it really popped off was to the Walmart to pick up groceries. Cause I wasn't going in, you know what I mean? To the park. And, you know, that 
kind of became a sacred space for me and my family. Um, I mean, we like to go out anyway. I used to live in Michigan. Like I said, I moved down south because I really like, you know, warmer weather climates. We are tropical people, you know. Um, But at the end of the day, it became the only space I could go with my kids outside of my home where it was like a place that we actually look forward to because, you know, we stuck in the house. We got I got a a six year old and 11 year old. And I now have a, a, a 12 month old, but um, just being in that space unrestricted, you know, you, you don't have to wear a mask at the park. You know, there's a lot yeah. of like I, I started, you know, I started becoming fascinated with just taking my kids to different parks across the state of North Carolina just to have that experience, just to have time and uh, for them to play. And just for us not to be inundated with just being at home and looking at, you know, our phones and being on the computers or tablets all day. So the book is just a, 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 a love letter to nature. Um, and it's just a really written from the perspective. You know, I wrote it in a rhyming pattern, like I said, but it's, it's more mm-hmm. about just capturing an experience and multiple experiences my children had from just going to the park, you know, chasing butterflies, um, you know, uh, uh, oh, there goes a deer, there goes a bunny. Like my kids just being just being excited about being outdoors. Sometimes it's just kicking the ball. But the story is just written from a perspective of my children enjoying nature. So I, you know, I'm I'm not in the book. It's really about what my kids do at the park and how they do what they do and what type of animals they see and things they see as they just go to different parks. Nice. Oh yeah. Nice. I like that. I like that. Oh. Kev, how how often do you read to your children? Is is it sort of a ritual or a, a regular scheduled thing or is when you can fit the time in or is that something that that your wife take care that takes care of most of the time so riley riley's four and he's he's autistic um so riley is a lot less interested in us reading to him than noah noah mm-hmm. noah learned to read when he was like two like two and a half um we, he, he has um in our old house that we just so his wall was a chalkboard so we were mm-hmm. teaching him how to read write and spell Right. And so his his uh, his wall was full of either words or sentences or phrases that he was practicing reading. And it was it was from the ceiling to the floor. Uh, I don't know how many hundreds of words, but he had to read that and he would practice it every every morning reading with himself. And then at night, every night um, I would read him a story to one mm-hmm. to three stories, depending on how long they were. So it was a huge ritual for me and uh, Noah as he was growing up. Riley has a different attention span. He only wants to do what he wants to do. So, mm. um, uh, and just autism is one of those things that your child creates a very unique set of things that are acceptable, okay, or enjoyable, and everything else is just not. So, you know, <laughs> and so right as of now, Riley hasn't picked up a love for reading with me. Like we, we've, he is surrounded by books and he picks them up and he'll look, he'll look at, at them by himself. And that's mm-hmm. his thing. And every once in a while, we'll come over and we'll try to give him a couple of words, just enough before he puts us out or physically pushes us away. Mm-hmm. But, but we we haven't stopped. We just we understand that his process is different than Noah, his older brother, who loved to read and who took a lot of pride in being able to read uh, because he had speech issues. And so the only time he really felt like he sounded great, and the only time he felt you know good, like really really you know great at something, was reading. You know, wow. even when he was in first grade, you know, why he had speech speech problems, um, 
he could, when it was time to read, the class listened to Noah because he was the only one that was on the second grade. He had done the whole second grade list before first grade started. And so oh. by the time first grade started, when it was time to read anything, uh, that was when he came alive. And I, and I always wanted him to have that because I always felt smart when it was time to read. When it was time to read, I could be the, the village idiot in math class and I could feel like a, a piece of dirt. Mm-hmm. And I would get into like, um, uh, English or literature, whatever class, or we'd be reading Hatchet or whatever book. And mm-hmm. when it was time to read out loud, as dumb as I could feel in another class, like math, mm-hmm. um, I was the kid who no one could keep up with in reading. Right? Wow. Yeah. So yeah. I felt like that was my superpower. My comprehension and my reading was my superpower. Yeah. I knew the value of that. So for me, um, even with Riley, again, we don't stop. We just have to do it at his pace. But with Noah, I was able to give him that gift of just being great at something before he even got to school and realized that people would be better than him at mm-hmm. certain things and he would feel inadequate in other ways. I gave him something that, you know, he was able to go and feel not only adequate, but superior in some ways, which balanced out his school experience when he didn't yeah. feel like, oh, well, other kids understand me when I talk. I have, I have, you know, I'm not good at talking or formulating my words. He's the best reader. Um, and so I was very proud to have given him that uh, because I didn't know what challenges he had in front of them, but um, he took a lot of pride in reading. And so, like I said, he started at around two and a half because we would read to him every night. Um, wow. He would then he would read to us, um, and so now, like I said, I don't. He's in second grade, but I don't know what he's probably. He probably reads at a fifth or sixth grade level, um, mm. but wow. like I said, that's his thing, and wow. so it's it's important to me because communication is important to me, comprehension is important to me, and I knew that it was a superpower for me, uh, and as much as I could and as much as I can, I pass that on to them. At this point, Noah doesn't need me to read to him; he needs me to assign him books. Mm. so we can hey so now we're we're actually going into a new phase he's homeschooled like traditionally his mom is his teacher so um and he just started school last week so now he's this is book report year so this year i'm gonna give him a book and he doesn't have spark notes he's not familiar with it (laughs) not yet (laughs) so me and me and his mom actually created uh are creating his reading curriculum now in which instead of us reading with him or to him because he's he's beyond that even as a second grader uh, he'll need to give us uh, a thorough book re- analysis of what he read and what's going on. And, you know, obviously we'll read it first. And so I think we're changing the, the game for him just because he's, he is a little bit advanced at reading um, and has helped his speech a lot. So, um, yeah. yeah, man, reading is fundamental, man. Fundamental. It, it, it is fundamental, man. It don't get no, that, it don't get no more simple than that, man. Can I, can I step in on that one though? Because go ahead, right know, ahead. I got to put my educator hat on because what Kev <laughs> said is really important. Like, you as a kid, you got to take yourself back to fifth, fourth grade. Like if you could read, you was like the man in school, like for yeah. a moment. Like, and then if you couldn't read, it was like, oh, here come Marshawn. He, he about yeah. to stutter. He don't know his words. <laughs> like you would, like in my school, I grew up in the hood. Like, like the, they used to clown kids that couldn't read. And it true, was like, true. it was like, you know, like, dang, please don't read. Like we used to crack jokes, but at the same time, like, when you have an opportunity now as a man, as a father, I'm like, I put as many, like my kids have libraries from the day they born. Like for my, my son, my third son, Kingston, I said for his babe, for the baby shower, before he was born, I said, don't send us money. Don't send us clothes, send us books. Like we want to build this library up. And I have a library uh, in his nursery and I still, I read to him. I read to him when he was in mom's womb. So 
you know, what Kev said was really, really important. Like you got to go at the pace of what your child is. Like my, my other son, he's not really into reading unless it's like comic books. And I didn't learn that until like I sat down with him. He was like, I don't want to read this. And I was like, all right, I got this Pokemon. He, he wanted to read it all day. So, yeah. you know, just as a father, just learning your children's different learning styles and what mm-hmm. sparks them. I feel like that's really what's most important. Like that's that's phenomenal, man. Yeah. And Noah's a collector. So he um, yeah. he's he's very specific about having all of whatever's available in a particular pattern or or style or, or author or, or so he had a few uh, favorite authors. And so he had a giant library. Like we didn't have to get him toys until he was wow. like six and until he was <laughs> six. We just got him books. That's all yeah. we got. And because he, he loved it, but he wanted the whole series. The author did 12 books. If he liked the first one, he had to have a whole collection and he Ooh. read the whole collection. <laughs> Even his baby books, his two year old books. Um, they're called baby. The, the, that's the title. Usually his baby does his baby does that. He at two years old, he had like twenty something baby books. Yeah, and we just mm. and we have to get him the whole collection. To this day, with his toys, he's the same way. If he gets one action figure and he knows others exist from the same series, you have to get him the whole thing, yeah, the whole set. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, just making him earn it has been the creative challenge for us. But uh, books have just been a big part of what he what he uh, anchors himself in, and and, and that that self esteem that he has, and knowing that well, we all have our inadequacies, but we all have our strengths. He learned mm-hmm. that through feeling inadequate, um, and just in the way he communicates his words and chooses his words uh, by being great at math and being being great at reading. He he just feels like he's he, he understands the difference between him being stupid because someone tells him. And him mm-hmm. just not being as good as someone. And and for me, that was the most important because my whole job here is to respect, um, you know, my son's needs by yeah. giving him uh, giving him an opportunity to to develop the strongest self-esteem that a man can have. But it starts early. Right. Mm-hmm. They always say it's easier to repair. It's easier to build strong men than to repair broken ones. Absolutely. Um, and I found that reading has been uh, uh, something that strengthens him beyond measure. And so it's just been a huge part of how I raise him. And um, I, I, I can't wait to the day where my younger son comes into a place and he's four. So, you know, we got plenty of time, but I can't I can't wait till he comes into a place where he figures out what he actually likes to read so we can uh, give him as much of that, you know, as he can handle and uh, hopefully grow his love for reading as well. Hey, Rube. So, yeah. With your master's degree in education administration, you actually taught K through yeah. twelve. Yeah. Okay. So what, I, what, what specific yeah. grades were you just kind of where they have you for for most of your career so far? So 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 um, you know I I when I got my master's degree, you know I was preparing to be a principal, but throughout that okay. time I was you know um, working with different school districts um, across Michigan, and you have to do like an internship of a hundred hours. So I would like you know, pretty much shadow principals and the principals would, you know, put me in position to kind of like go to a, like a high school, a middle school and an elementary school in the district. And I would just spend the day like number one with the assistant principal or the principal. And the, sometimes the principal would be like, hey, I got meetings. So I want you to just follow this teacher. Um, but my experience, in, you know, in that let me know that I didn't want to be a teacher. Like, you know what I mean? Hmm. Because you know, it was, it was something, you know, you know, you know what the education system is, it's so many variances in it, but just the number one thing I seen was, you know, the way in which teachers were kind of forced, like 
you could you you got you got a lot of flexibility if you're in gym and art, but when it t- comes to like curriculum, you're teaching to a test. So mm. you know the, the constraints of understanding that uh, just led to me wanting to do what I you know currently do, where I, I work at a university where I'm able to work administratively and help support high schools through like college access and supportive resources rather than directly teach. But when I did teach, I taught as a substitute teacher um, in, in Lansing Public Schools, which is in the capital of Michigan. And, you know, I I, I was able to, you know, I love the kindergartens, first, second, th- K through six, but that middle school, woo, them kids was challenging. <laughs> just throwing gang signs right up there. with me. I'm breaking up fights daily. And, you know, I'm like, <laughs> You know, I'm going to the hood schools, but sometimes I go to the suburban schools, too. It's a different energy. Um, but it just it just taught me the importance of, you know, being being uh, understanding the different spaces that you're in, but also the challenges of, of education where you have a teacher who is in a classroom that's under resourced. And they have some students that speak English, some that don't. Some students that are just phenomenal, like high performing readers like Kev was talking about with his son. And then you have in the same classroom, a couple of kids that can't even spell, you know, the word ice. And it's like, this is second mm. and third grade. So, you know, I think education, you know, it's not a one size fits all. It's a very, it's a very, um, it's a very tough uh, environment and industry to navigate unless you have a very strong support. So, you know, I, I, I learned it directly. I didn't want to be a principal because I went to get my master's to be, but it's like, there's still opportunities for leadership um, just yeah, to support yeah. schools, which is what I do in college access, because, you know, it, it's really about being an educator. It's like you have to find where you fit into it. And I was like, you got to mm. try it. So when I tried to be a teacher, I was like, I loved it. Like, I love sitting down with kids. But, you know, once I got my first long term teaching assignment, I was like, I have to teach just this. Oh, no, I can't mm. do this. Like, not <laughs> no like I'm too creative. I'm too spontaneous. And, you know, and my heart hurts for kids that I can't reach because of things going on at home or because I just don't have enough capacity to really delve into them. Or sometimes I got to call the principal or the social worker. So, you know, I, I think, you know, even as a parent now, like, you know, I'm very intentional with my conversations with my kids, teachers, like, I don't care. My daughter's in seventh grade. My son is in first. And I'm like, let's have a conversation so you can understand who they are and, 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 and what, how they learn, you know, and, you know, that's that was something that, you know, I learned directly from just being a part of different black parent groups here in here in Durham. Shout out to Village of Wisdom. OK, it's a uh, it's a local nonprofit that does like uh, parent research groups to kind of prepare um, parents to be more of advocates for their kids, education and learning experience. Oh, that sounds Excellent. awesome. That sounds awesome. Excellent piece. Uh, do you think with the the, the disparities with the, the dichotomy between the suburban area schools and the inner city schools. And obviously with, when kids go home, it's this total, you know, different dynamic, yeah, different lifestyle, things of that nature. Um, and you, you mentioned uh, underfunding, under-resourced. Yeah. Because, because of those realities, do you think kids is kind of, they don't try hard enough because it's like, Hey, it is what it is. It's, you know, do they do they feel a little hopeless? They don't feel like they're they want to reach for more than what's successful at the time. Do you do you see like the difference in then? Yeah. You know, just just the energy as far as you know being proactive and want to do more. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, talk about that a little bit. 
Yeah. So, you know, I studied education. So like in my master's program and there's always this narrative and I'm sure you heard it where it's always pitting black student performance rates against white students. And that has something that troubled me because I'm like, we've always been stigmatized. We've always been put at this, this level of our performance as a whole of students is always white versus black. I mean, obviously race, you know, you can learn into that, that, that terminology like you want race. It is a race, right? But, you know, if you dig a little deeper on educational performance rates of black children and white children, you can't think you can't talk about education from those little those two aspects. There's also Asian children and they Asian children been beaten for the most part, all races for many, many, right. many years. But that's not that's not spoken about. Right. Because of the system we live in and the influences and the media and all that. But when I when I thought about the aspect of education, I don't think I'm not one of those guys that say you just money if you throw a billion dollars into all the hood schools, performance is going up. It's, I think that's one of the areas. And you know what I'm saying? But I think just just being a parent, I think that the outcome of our children is based on the parents. If the, par- if the parents are not involved in the education of their children, the children are set up to fail. You're throwing them to the wolves. So gotcha. we can't depend you know, on school to educate our children. If the only education your children are getting is at school, you're doing it wrong. And I'm saying that to yeah. every father. You're doing it wrong. Yeah. If you just drop yeah. it off, picking up, not investing, you're doing it wrong. And, yeah. you know, yeah. I, 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 I think that a lot of kids, like I said, I grew up in a single parent family home. My mom wasn't like going around, putting me in different schools. But like I said, that dropping me off at the library was my factor. That was like, all right, my mom may not have time to invest in me, but I can at least read these books. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, you mm-hmm. know, she did help me accountable when I came home, when she had time. I'm not trying to put nothing against her, but I think the the outcomes and the, the, the education of our children, because education starts at home, like your children learn to read based on what you put in their environment. Like if I said I put nothing but Nerf guns in my son's room when he was born, he'd be a good shooter by the time he's three, right? Because he got Nerf yeah. guns. Yeah. But like that Kev what you said, do most of that what you do best. I mean, I got a couple of Nerf guns for my six year old, but he got books too. So <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, you know, you got to put yourself in a position as a parent to be proactively involved. I do not depend on any teacher. No disrespect. It's an honorable profession to educate my child. That's on me. So what you learn in school is one factor, but life is a classroom. So if we're only just learning our ABCs, I don't think that we're really adequately educating our children. Um, But, you know, a a lot of things I said, I don't know if I fully answer your question. It's just we just got to be actively involved. That's the bottom line. I think that is the factor. And for the children who don't have that, you know, uh, a strong influence from their parents. That's the one where I'm like, how can we help these students who are under resources or underprepared? So their parents may have educational issues. Like my dad dropped out of high school. He went to the streets, got his GED in prison. So I never linked mm-hmm. on him for anything educationally when he was out of prison. It was like, all right, go do your schoolwork. So it's a lot of factors. I think you got to understand the dynamic of the students. But since it's such a big population of students and only a few teachers, that's where the challenge comes in. So there's a lot of things that got to be revamped in education. Um, but <laughs> quite honestly, it's public education. So you get what you get unless you got the bread to put them in a better school. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think that, uh, there's a certain amount of intersectionality that we like, it's, it's such a vast conversation that you can't even right. have all of the, the statistical, like for, for one, when compared uh, black kids versus white kids, right? When we pretend we're the only two races, <laughs> because for whatever <laughs> reason in America, we do this. We yeah. exist. We don't, it's only black and white people in America. Obviously. Right. <laughs> Yeah. When we compare black kids to white kids or black kids to non-black kids, we we see this uh we see this gap in le- uh reading, writing, arithmetic, right? Um but when you actually uh, compare anybody in the poverty demographic to mm. anybody outside of the poverty demographic, all of those numbers balance out. Turns mm-hmm. out Poor white kids also suck at reading, writing, writing and arithmetic. Right. <laughs> I've never and, seen a new story on that. <laughs> yeah. So, so just like black on black crime, um, the the education disparities have have uh, highlighted the weakest among um, you know black statistics for a very specific reason. But because I live in this, uh, a district where they're trying to prove themselves not to be as inadequate as the surrounding suburban districts, some of these studies have come up. Like Dayton Public Schools, they've been like, wait a minute, y'all keep telling us about this, but these are the numbers, right? Because they, they're trying to exonerate themselves. And, and the numbers actually lean toward, um, it, is, it is actually not a black and white line. It is a p- impoverished, it's a poverty line and not poverty. People in survival mode. Uh, obviously are taking in a whole different experience, learning different uh, different things at home and have different issues. Like, like I, I described myself, when I was a kid, we was in the projects. Uh, before the projects, we was in a one bedroom. It might've been a 580 square foot one bedroom. My mama slept in the living room. Me and my brother slept in the one bedroom. Like, and my cousins and my uncle sometimes lived with us too. Like, yeah. like I had real shit going on i didn't have the luxury of giving a damn about what was happening in school that was all i cared about was eating lunch in school eating breakfast in school and then getting home and trying to figure out if i could help my mom in any way or if if she was if she was okay you know she suffered from alcoholism when i was little so and i had adult issues i didn't have time to worry about that crap that just it was beneath me and i think most impoverished kids uh don't have the luxury of a, a parent who's who's just aware enough to say well I could take them to a babysitter. I could let them hang out with themselves. Or I could send them to the library, right? Mm-hmm. Your mom knew better and she did that. Yeah, shout but, out to moms. <laughs> but yeah. It, but it, a mother in survival mode yep. has, le- has less time. Yep. Has less time to look over homework, to, to read stories, to do yep. this, to do that. You're trying to make it from day to day or, or, or survive the day to day traumas and issues that the parent many times is still dealing with while having young children. You know, you have yep. babies having babies. So our education system, uh, always points to you know that black versus white versus whoever else disparity, but what they when they actually look at who uh, uh, who's performing impoverished or impoverished uh, mm-hmm. or impoverished versus and uh, not in survival mode doing well enough, the the line is financial, not racial, um, mm. and and that is an interesting study uh, to 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 do as an educational uh, uh, system. But we won't do that. That won't be a mass scale. A project mm-hmm. because they like that disparity, just like, and and not to go long, but just like black on black crime. Yeah, ninety percent of blacks are killed by blacks. You realize eighty, <laughs> you realize eighty seven percent of whites are killed by whites. Because there we go. <laughs> and, and guess who? 90, and guess who? Ninety percent of Asians kill Asians. Asians. <laughs> Murder is about proximity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. The FBI released a report on right. that. Yep. Yeah. Right. Yep. 
And I've been saying that since I was a kid. I was like, but they live next door to each other. Who else are they going to kill? They're yeah. going to go down the street and around the corner and kill them people. They don't know them people. They don't know them. <laughs> right. Them right. people ain't in their parking spot. Them people ain't talking too loud. Them people ain't flirt with their mama or touch their little sister. So yeah. right. all, all that to say that, you know, it's extremely important that to overcome some of these things that they tell us about ourselves because these kids hear this. These kids hear uh, black kids aren't as smart. Black kids yeah. can't read. Black kids can't yeah. write. They yeah. they hear it. They don't. No one explains it to them and, and no one definitely tells them well wait a minute that's a poverty line that's not a race line you're not you're not mm-hmm. insignificant you're not yeah. un, you're not incapable be, incapable yeah. because you're black these are what they're responding to they're feeding mm-hmm. you who you are and you need to decide who you are right and, and the reading gives you the power to decide well i won't be one of them i'm gonna be smart i'm gonna yeah. be this i'm gonna be that and that's kind of how i took it it was the only thing that i had control over that somebody told me i couldn't do it's like no wait 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 i can be black and read well I can be mm-hmm. like and be smart. I can raise my hand and say some smart shit. I can do that. Let me make sure that I'm not kidding. Yeah, yeah. No. And so um, I just wanted my son to have that opportunity. And I think that what your mom gave you was uh, an amazing thing. And I know Deshar, we talked about this on on another podcast, you know, us just reading and trying to equip our kids, give them a gift, give them a superpower so that when they fall, fall against their inadequacy, they know that they at least, uh, you know, have some strength somewhere that they can draw some pride from. So it really Absolutely. Matters. Absolutely. Yeah. Man, just the access piece, and like I said, with with all the, you know, with all the things and and opposing and you know things that these the impoverished communities have, blacks yeah. more specifically, I think, like you said, it's still that responsibility still lies with the parent, the the guardians, the grandmother, yeah. the uncles, the cousins. Effort. Exactly, yeah. it's the collective yeah. effort. So, you know. Though we stress the parents, it's about the village. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And my mother always uh, gave credit to the village. She she never took full responsibility or like or she gave me full credit for you know the development of myself and, and how I was able to um, you know be educated, how I was raised um, to become the man I am. So like mm-hmm. I said, it, everyone has a, has to play a part in that. And I think right. with you know, with the, the information age, things at our fingertips. I mean, I, we still we still see, you know, these poor communities with cell phones, tablets. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. So you know, <laughs> Wi-Fi and all this stuff. You know what I mean? Like it's, you know, it's it's still reachable. These these things yeah. that you know are going to help influence our future generations. These things, you know, because TikTok, you see, it, you know, this crate Ooh. thing that's going on. Yeah, and most of that, most of that's going on in the hood. You know what I mean? So don't it's do like, it, y'all. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> I'm, I'm anti crate. Right. <laughs> right. So yeah, you, if you ain't making the basketball rim, you misusing the crate. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, like I said, it's, it's really about where our priorities are set. Um, and and I think parents really know they have the wherewithal. Like, hey, I know I didn't have much growing up. I had to deal with with things outside of school, school wasn't that important like Kev alluded to. So, you know, you don't want that to to reoccur with, with your with your children. You don't want them to have yeah. to, you know, reinvent the wheel or as far as uh, knowing better and, and having to do better with what you have. So I think as long as, you know, we see the importance of, you know, getting them out of, of these situations that, that, you know, happen, you know, over and over again in, in, in our society or at least in our community, um, someone has to step in. Someone has to let them know, okay, these are our issues. 
this is a way we need to move forward. Let's try this. Way. Oh, that didn't work. All right, let's let's go with this this idea. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's yeah. that's kind of how I see it. You know, it's, it's just, there's more than one way to skin a cat because mom's working two jobs. You know what I'm saying? You know, then yeah. it falls in the lap of grandma. Grandma got to yeah. reach, hug up on uncle and and grandpa and say, hey, let's this. Hey, unk, run to the library, grab a couple books. Let's yep. get some better apps on this phone that she's using. <laughs> You know what I'm yeah. saying? Let's program these things better. So that's that's kind of how I see it too. So I th- I think um and I don't know how I guess this conversation could go in a million different directions. But I was, I, I was I was talking to a brother, uh the coach of my my son's um kindergarten basketball team. And uh he was telling he was telling me because his his daughter was on the team and he's like, Brad, man, you don't even know, bro. Like I just I just uh stopped working third shift or you know, second shift or third shift. He said, Man, I missed everything up until this point. So I figured I'd start coaching this team and get her involved and start making time for just us. He said, you know, cause I was working so much. And mm-hmm. I think that's, that's one of the biggest issues. So you were talking about people like to throw money at the school system. Yeah. I, I, I too believe that that's not the, the answer because if, if you throw money at the school system, I don't give a damn how shiny the book is. If you can't, <laughs> if you can't pull a focus and a, and a, and a give a damn into a child's heart about those yeah. things, uh, because they go home to the wrong scenario or their parents are themselves in the wrong scenario, right? Mm-hmm. Too busy. And he he said, man, I can't believe how busy I was. I'm really ashamed. Like I, I'm, I'm, you know, I just want to be there, you know? Yeah. So I quit that job because I just need to be there. Yeah. yeah. And, and he remembered that, you know, what, what mattered before was too late. But the thing is this, when he hit me, he said, well, you know, I was working so much. Most of our, if we don't have a drug addict parent, we have parents who are working too much. Yep. Right? Yep. And that's an addiction. Had, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's condition, it's addiction. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it also leads to your child being neglected. Yeah. Not, not getting that focus, right? Not getting yeah. that intentional uh, parenthood that we, that we like. I look at everybody that I know that I know is a, an amazing parent. Myself, Deshaun, my friend, Jesse, my friend, Joey my four best friends in the world, uh, my mm-hmm. friend, Jimmy, we're all people who have, uh, to some degree, financial education, mm. right? Because yeah. you don't have to be, you don't even have to be like super well off or well paid to be financially fit. And, yes, and, and of the financially fit parents I know, all of our children have room to thrive and we're all intentional about our kids uh, education because we have space. We're not in survival mode because our financial education has put us in a position where we don't have to overwork to survive. And so for me, I just, I think that that's one of the secrets, not necessarily throwing money at the school system, but throwing money into community financial education. I like that. To such a degree that the parents don't have to either overwork or struggle so, so bad that that struggle starts to rub off on that child. And if they lose their focus or that pet, that parent doesn't lose the time that they should be in that kid's face, reading, writing with them, doing homework, going to parent teacher conferences, joining the PTA, all of those things that you do when you have the luxury to do, Mm -hmm. because you're not in survival mode. We need to get our people out of survival mode. And that starts with financial education. So that's, that's my magical fix for this, uh, our reading and and our math disparities, because everybody I know, Every man I know who has money in a bank account, every man I know who has a little bit of investments, every man I know who's smart enough to 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 really navigate in the financial space outside of going to the bank and begging for some money, that kid's yeah. doing well because he got time and, and she got time to be in their faces and giving them what they need and they don't have to figure it out at 30. Uh, yeah. But 
it starts with financial education of our parents. I wish we could do a big national initiative to financially educate the parents in these impoverished communities. You don't have to give them a dollar, but you can give them a million dollars worth of game and all of their kids will do better for it in school. I promise you that. But that's my and they, 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 and they got to read books that educate them on that, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Back to the books. But yeah. it creates a love because now you got to go find the information. Right? Yep. So mm-hmm. Now reading, reading becomes culture in the household. Yep. So that's it. Yep. Yeah. And I think we just spend a lot of time, you know, as men just getting to the bag, but we got to get to the kids. You know what I mean? Like you can be successful. Like you, like Kev was saying, you can be successful, but because you've been successful, I have weekends off and my Saturday, Mm -hmm. I ain't doing nothing. I ain't doing no reports. Don't even call me. This is Mm -hmm. my time with my family. Mm -hmm. And you know what I mean? Like you, you have to, if you have that financial literacy, you're able to position your life around making it work for you. And if family's at the top of that list, then that's all going to fall in line. And I have a couple of friends that I know growing up was like, their parents was, you know, rich riding around in Benzes, but they was never at the house. So it's like, you know, I don't know who my dad is unless we on vacation or unless it's Christmas. And it's good to be able to provide for your kids. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. I think men is protect and provide. But I was telling my brother the other day, it's also love and support. Like love, like being intentional that I care about you. I can put this this workload down just to spend time with you and spend time with you and your siblings and you and your mama, like things like that. That's the foundation of it. So just navigating that can be tough, right? Cause we, we got to get the bag no matter what. Yeah. But at the end of the yeah. day, your kids ain't going to remember the bag. They going to remember right. dad came to my game. Dad sat down and read with me. Yeah. Dad dropped me off at the library on Saturday or Barnes and yeah. Noble. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Barnes and Noble. <laughs> they got the comfy couches I've always told That's people that they, they won't remember a, a damn bill they won't remember yep. a, a, a dollar they won't remember a, a toy they, they'll say my dad got me toys but <laughs> I, I, I've never known a man who, who loved his dad for the money he spent most of them don't never. most kids don't remember the money they remember the moments and, and yep and and the and the gifts and the coaching and the teaching and the nurturing and the the, the mm-hmm. protect, like they remember dad being present and involved yeah. and um that's important and I think reading is one of the easiest and most beneficial ways that a dad can mm-hmm. involve himself in the not only in the education but in the the psyche and the and the the growth of of uh you know confidence and and yeah. self self worth and self value and, and it just it's it's exponentially uh much more important than most of the shit we spend our time doing. Hundred yeah. percent. You know, so and that's something I gotta say to y'all, man, because y'all Juneteenth episode was special. I listened to it with my son when y'all did it. It was phenomenal. Appreciate it. I, I wanna plug that if y'all tuning in and have a listen, go back and listen to it. Um but the the thing about it is when we're talking about being free, freedom is that. Because yeah. you're putting you're yeah. putting ideas, theories, thoughts like I taught my son Swahili by reading a book mm. to him about it. Oh, like I, I always was like, I want to tap into a, a African dialect because that's where I'm from. That's where my people from. I did my ancestry. I'm like Nigeria. OK, what's the language there? So I never knew I never would have known that without having the understanding of what this language is or what this what's the history of our people, what's the history of our culture. And I think education, especially when talking about American schools, they ain't going back to Africa. They're going to Martin mm. Luther King. They might hit you with a Rosa Parks. So mm-hmm. being able to educate your children to understand in their cultural identity, that's what these books bring. Huge. So, Huge. so 
for me, it's like that's wealth in itself. That's more valuable mm-hmm. than a dollar that I can earn. I can teach my son like a life lesson. My dad taught me Swahili. Now you can teach your children this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that to me, that's 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 a, that's something that's very valuable because the books open up the conversations and the the give these children the intellectual thought to start to understand who they are, where they come from, what they can be. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's, it's the key to everything, you know, Absolutely. information, education, <laughs> all of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, sure. yeah, we we have to, like I said, this add that importance. And it has to be, like I said, in our everyday lives, like starts with the conversations we have with our children, like you like you said. And, um, you know, what are we doing with that little bit of idle time? You know, mm-hmm. so like there's, there's so many different ways you could you could spill the game to them, even with the limited time that you have, you know, bouncing to and from work and getting yep. here and getting this done. And, you know, what I'm saying is it music that you listening to in the car or you, you know, what I'm saying like, podcast, you know, what, what are the, the exactly, podcast, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, when yeah. you dressing them for school, you know, yep. what are y'all talking about? What, what are, yeah. what are their eyes? You know, setting on you, like you said, a, a, a Kev's crib. He has letters and words all over the walls. Yep. You know what I'm yeah. saying? When they go to sleep, when they wake up, when they chilling, like they see these things, and yeah. you know, it it sets off things that we may not know about. Like I said, right. and the different interests that they may or may not have. Like we have to, like I said, we had to surround them. You know, and and uh, create that environment for them, and Absolutely. and just let it happen naturally. You know, and so. absolutely. And I think the key to that and what I found for me and what I, and what I found for my son. And I think that, you know, you've discovered about your son, even with the Pokemon is, is figuring out what they want to read and, Mm -hmm. and filling them up with so much of it that they're like, okay, I've I've exhausted this. What else is there? Right. When When reading becomes their culture, it might start in a place that we find silly. We might find it frivolous or stupid, uh, my, yeah. my son reads, um, he, he used to read the baby books when he was two and he, he exceeded, and then he started reading these David books. It's this badass little kid, David, that always gets in trouble. <laughs> oh, he, I remember you talking about yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The whole David series and, uh, David, David, a motherfucker, David, bad dude. <laughs> but, but wow. I, while I'm like, I'm tired of these baby books. Okay. You, you're too old for those. Let's move on. Okay. Here, find a new series. Okay. Okay. You got You read all the David. You own the whole David series next. Yeah. And gradually, gradually he finds something new he likes and he finds a new challenge in reading mm-hmm. until eventually he looks up and he's like, wait a minute. I, I read all these different genres. I, I read all of these different types of books. He, he's developed his own love for reading. Wow. Now he's reason he went from baby David to National Geographic. Like, okay, this book's wow. about this book's about yeah. arachnids. Here you go. Tell me all about the spiders. <laughs> Tell me all about wow. the sharks, the lions, the cheetahs, the tigers. And so he reads the National Geographic books, but it started with yeah. that, them stupid baby books or the stupid Pokemon <laughs> or the stupid comic books. Right. Yeah. But it has to start somewhere. And as fathers, we have to figure out not just for reading, but for everything. Man, what does mm-hmm. your kid want? let them explore their wants to such a degree that they exhaust them and they pick up another want or they pick up another Absolutely. curiosity. And pretty soon you look back and he's like, man, I got a whole catalog. I got, a, I got, I got a plethora of things that I'm interested in, Yeah, you know, and that's how they discover their own greatness. And so, you know, yeah. to your point and to your point, man, it's just about trying to figure out how to give it to them in a way that they want it 
right? Because you, you, your mama can make you eat peas, you know, yep. or you could just get tired of carrots and be like, Fuck, let me go on and try these damn peas. Over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pretty soon, pretty soon you, you realize you like, you like certain things and, you know, yeah. so it's, just, it's just about that, you know? So, uh, man, I appreciate you brothers like you doing what you're hey, doing. Man. We uh, all doing it. To, y'all doing it too, man. Black minds, man. It's too yes, important, sir. man. We need more people. Valuable. Like yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Great, great discussion, gentlemen. I appreciate Absolutely. it. Rube, thank you for joining us, man. This this man, was honor. a bunch of gems dropped right here. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. I appreciate it, man. Just if y'all could follow me on Instagram at Watson Family Lit. That's my page, Watson Family Lit on Instagram. Um, definitely uh, releasing a couple additional things with my book. Check out my book on Amazon, Friendly Skies and Sunny Days. And man, continue to be uh, great in what y'all do, man. Like, Sure. Uh, well, before we go, what um, what uh, age group is the book for? So my book is for uh, kindergarten through fourth graders. So, okay. you know, okay. if, if your son is like nine, 10, 11 or your daughter, it may not be for you. I write children's uh, books based on my kid's uh, age. But, you know, yeah. Oh, no, he would. My son's seven. They probably it probably right up his alley. So we're gonna check. Yeah, it out. probably be up his alley. I was the cutoff is like nine, ten. I've, I've read it a couple classrooms, but um, man, it's a it's just a phenomenal experience just to speak with y'all brothers, man, for real. Oh, the pleasure's you, all ours, man. This is yep, great. Yep, this yep. is great. Did I did I get the link right below? You got it. You got it. I all see right. it. Hey, y'all make it happen, man. Hit that follow. Y'all check Rube out, man, and what he's doing. And like I said, that was the second book. The, the first one yeah. was, was titled what? what was the Where's title My the Grandpa? Book? And that's, that's a book grandpa? about family history written about my daughter who never met my father. He passed away. And uh, she just wanted to know her family history. She wanted to know who he was. So definitely check that out, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to do that. We're going to leave a link in the description. And I'm going to grab both. I appreciate kids, that, they, man. They, I appreciate they love that. new books. Yeah, so it'll it'll do me something great to just to support you, man. So the whole collection. Absolutely. That's what Kev said. Oh, yeah, Grab yeah, the whole yeah, collection. Yeah, yeah, nah, <laughs> nah, we're gonna we're gonna do that. that. Right, get the we're whole pack. <laughs> nah, I'm definitely you, I'm man. definitely gonna make my purchase, man. I, I I respect everything you're doing. We appreciate, I appreciate you, brother. That. Likewise, man. Absolutely. Hey man, that so that concludes today's episode. Please continue to support the channel, hit the subscribe, hit the like, share our content, man. We got more coming on the way. Uh, we're still on Anchor. We're still on Spotify, streaming the audio version of all our podcasts. So, you know, hook us up, man. You know, support, review, give us ratings. You know, we're trying to spread our word, our information, these same conversations, you know, to to everyone. You know, everyone needs to, needs to get something from this, man. So without sure. further ado, man, it's Dale Holloway. That's Kev Hick. Peace and love. Peace and love. <laughs>